Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I am super excited to have an unusual guest for Liberate Your People Pleasers podcast, Jeff. Um, I don't think you're unusual, um, but (laughs) typically when I've had guests, there are other coaches or people that are very clearly in the sort of, you know, personal growth, self-help sort of space. And so I'm super thrilled to have you here because Jeff, for those of you, you'll want to go to the show notes and read some information on his background. Um, We'll probably, I'll probably link to a couple of those articles you gave me, Jeff, if that sounds good to you. Um, or And you can even give me some more current ones if you want. Um, because Jeff is in the political arena. He's a political guy. He's done a lot of, had um, various positions with different administrations. And we don't usually go very political here on uh, Liberate Your People Pleaser. But my conversation before our podcast recording here today with Jeff was so powerful. I wanted to bring him into our universe here because I think part of what Jeff can speak to is how this arena that all of us as people pleasers can get caught up in of going along to get along, you know, as they say, and not wanting to ruffle feathers. And we end up, I know I've done it a million times, especially younger when I was younger and was um, more caught up in my people pleasing, you know, habits than I am in today's world. But going along because, well, everybody else is kind of saying that and I don't want to be the naysayer and I don't want to, you know, whatever. And how that can, not only does that cost us, but in the realm of everyone who is a person of color, who is, you know, any sort of LGBTQ plus, you know, everybody who's not a white man, let's let's go there. (laughs) Everybody who's not a white man, you know, has had some sort of going along to fit in, right? Like, how can I be like, I think about when I first got into the workplace as a woman, even though I was in real estate, very much, there always have been a lot of women in real estate. I still can see how I was trying to behave like the men in the business around me, right? Because they're the one, how we try to assimilate into the dominant culture, so to speak. And so Jeff, 
I've gone on way too long now before I've let you said a word. So I would love for you to introduce yourself the way you would, you know, the way you would like um, to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey, you know, as a human being and your journey into this, even though maybe before we talked, you didn't think of yourself and maybe don't think of yourself as a people pleaser can identify with that assimilation, you know, dynamic. Well, thanks for having me, Brenda. And flattery will get you everywhere. Uh, especially, I haven't been called unusual in quite a while. So that's that's a great thing, though, because when you're unusual, you're unique and you're different. And that means you're standing out rather than blending in. So if I'm doing that for you already, that's a great start. Yes, um, you are. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about you know myself and journey. Um, and sort of, you know, highlight some sort of major points in my life that really, I think, best capture what you've been talking about on people pleasing and also, you know, what your audience and others have been thinking about in terms of, you know, how they fit in culture as organizations, businesses, and frankly, in your day to day life, right? So, you know, I grew up in Southern California, uh, you know, land of beautiful charm and paradise. Uh, I was fortunate to be from there because my family was from Vietnam originally. They were boat people. They, you know, lived in refugee camps and, um, you know, with nothing but a prayer and a hope, they landed in Southern California. I was born a year later and uh, we got to embark on what we call the American dream. Um, and for my family, that American dream uh, wasn't necessarily for their comfort. They were landscapers and worked 18 hour days. Uh, but the American dream in my mind is to allow your children to have the opportunities that you never had. And right. that's something particularly special. You know, my parents are salt of the earth folks, right? And I didn't see them very much growing up because they needed to work to survive. As, and I think that's the case with many immigrant stories. And it teaches you so much about, you know, working hard and, um, you know, not cutting corners and the value of sort of ethic. Um, but that experience also teaches you this sort of strong cultural sentiment, which is tied to like what we've been talking about, people pleasing. It's really along the lines of, um, you need to blend in, you need to fit in, you need to go along to get along. And above all, don't rock the boat. Yeah. You should be so grateful to be in the greatest country in the history of planet Earth. And that's totally true. We should be grateful. My parents had everything they knew taken away from them, right? Yeah. So they approach things from a position of pure gratitude. But uh, as the children and descendants of that, that mindset um, isn't as current as it really should be or could be. And I would say, you know, in much of my life, even from childhood, um, you sort of learn to laugh off comments you would hear from people. You learn to, um, you know, do things that other people did because you wanted to fit in. And one of the most important lessons I learned very early on, and I'll tell you a story about uh, some an example of where, I was sort of told uh, to sort of stay in my lane. Uh, I was 10 years old and I, um, I wanted to be student class president. It was fifth grade, right? Big year. It's a big year, fifth grade. Um, I told my mom I was going to run. And you know what she told me, Brenda? She said, you know, uh, they're not going to think you're American. So be careful if you do this. 
And I sort of laughed it off, right? Because you know, my you know, parents are tough, and you know, like, well, we of course wanna... I am. I'm American. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm apple pie, and it's true. I played, I played baseball. I you know was on the Boy Scouts. I loved, uh, you know, I loved all things America. I love trucks. I mean, yes. I, I felt like I was America as it gets. And um, you know, the day of the election, I was canvassing for votes as you do, and yeah. one of the boys went up to me and said, "Hey, you know, you're not going to win because people think you eat dog." And I just laughed. I said, why would I eat my dog? Dogs are great. I don't think they'd be very tasty. Like it's eat they, dogs. Yes, eat dogs. I mean, I I mean, that's not steak. That's not burgers. What are you talking about? And so, you know, after lunch, I was palling with my friends, as you do, and I came back to my desk and there was a drawing of what looked like me eating a dog. Oh. And uh, I learned at 10 years old two things very quickly. Number one. It is true. If you do stand out, people will come after you. Yeah. And two, and two, this is notable. That stuff is not just, that's not human nature. That is learned. And so I learned very quickly at that age that there are people out there that want to make sure your dreams don't come true because it makes them feel better, because it gives right. them more confidence, that you know, the step up to kick down kind of mindset. That's right. at 10. Yeah. And it really did shape uh, how I looked at the world, which was. You need to be a part of the environment, but you cannot stand out because if you stand out, you will have a bullseye on you. Very real, right? At 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that translates too in, in you know, my career. And I think you alluded to it that maybe it's a little unusual. Um, you know, I had a career that worked in the international affairs space. I got to work at our State Department. I got to work at the United Nations. I got to work uh, for President Carter's foundation. Um, I did you know, two tours in Afghanistan, as well as uh, serving in human rights roles. And as uh, you might recall, I mean, Afghanistan's got a lot of news this year for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Um, and that part of my life was this feeling of exploration. But even through that, when I entered these communities and cultures, it was really about trying to fit in um, so much the case, despite how different those cultures and environments are. Then in politics, uh, transitioning, I worked in the United States Congress. I worked for a couple of political organizations. And then, um, you know, as we talked about, I worked for Governor Jerry Brown of California and led his cabinet work and dealt with disasters and agriculture and, you know, mass shootings and all the horrible, challenging things you would hear. And now I have a life that um, is in technology focused in the fintech space. But in each of those spheres, um, you were, I was hyper aware that my presence, my mere presence was one where uh, I didn't necessarily fit the grain right away. And I always had that fight or flight sort of mindset. Yeah. Um, and I would say it wasn't until the beginning of last March during the height of, uh, you know, just as the COVID-19 thing was really buckling down in the United States. And I'm sure you remember where you were when the, basically the whole world shut down. Um, and I was flying from, it was my last work trip uh, I was flying from Nevada to San Francisco and, uh, you know, I was rushing to get to the airport because, you know, I was running a little late and you know how it is. You're trying to skate on through, right? Get your bag through. And um, a woman came up to me, past security, and she just spit in my face. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. Like, literally. Like a big loogie. Like, oh. like, like the nastiest. Oh, that makes you want to gag. Yeah, just like imagine the slime coming off your yeah. face. And um, unfortunately, I have been spit on before. So because, again, I'm culturally trained to sort of shrug this stuff off because you don't want to make a scene. 
So I made a joke and I said, gosh, if I knew it was going to rain, I should have brought an umbrella. Oh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it wasn't meant to be funny, which is so interesting because there were about a dozen people looking around. And then immediately once I made that joke, everyone just pretended it never happened. So I achieved my goal of not creating a scene. But uh, that was also a moment where by me blending in, I had to quietly simmer in shame to be dehumanized, to be devalued. And that was, that's when I realized, right? Getting spit on really sucks. Yeah. But what we need to be fighting is this sort of complicity into allowing for these horrible things to happen, right? And a lot of what you want to do to fight that complicity is you need to ask yourself deep down, are you going to let that stuff go? Or are you going to fight for it? So are you going to yeah. please whatever people to make them feel better about themselves? Or are you going to sort of make a stand for yourself? And that was when I realized I needed to, because if I didn't do it for myself, nobody absolutely was. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious. So ooh, this just makes me th- think of so many things. So one, so I do a free uh, video, uh, live video thing uh, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. called Cocktails and Coaching. And mm-hmm. we get here on Zoom. Anybody who wants to come, the link is in my Facebook group and on Instagram or whatever. And last night, because of our interview today, I, w- I had this on my mind. And we were talking, so we had a little discussion about when people, when we get intimidated to speak up on somebody else's behalf and our, and our own, and is there a difference? And like one of the gals on um, the, you know, episode last night, she finds it very easy to speak up for someone else and listed like 10 times she's stopped a bully or she's, you know, whatever, because it's happening to somebody around her. But then for herself, she was in an abusive relationship with a man. So for herself, she had a hard time standing up for that and saying no. And so I think, and I would just, you know, ask any listener to think about that for yourself. Like, where do you think, is it easier for you to stand up for somebody else or stand up for yourself? Because I think it can happen either way. I think when you're in a crowd, there is definitely, if nobody else is responding, like I would lo- I would love to say, of course, that if I had been standing near you at the airport and seen that happen, that I would have done something, I don't know what, but to add, you know, to at least come to your aid, come to your side, something to support you in this terrible act by this other person, you know, and then I say, but what, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know because either, and this is a question I have to, I'm going to be super transparent and say, I would say I've never seen that, which makes me suspicious of my own awareness. Cause how is it possible? Cause I haven't lived under a rock. And I think that this kind of thing happens a lot. Okay. So for the last year and a half, we haven't been in a lot of airports, but you know, in my whole life, like, you know, and so it really has made me think that maybe I don't really have my awareness radar on for unkindness. Let's not even go as dramatic as spitting on, which is despicable to me, but unkindness that might be happening in my sort of peripheral vision, I'll say. And, you know, would I say something? What would you have what would have felt really good to you if a stranger, I assume no strangers did anything 
in that? Yeah. Not only did strangers not do anything, but the security guards didn't do anything. Oh, and they were, you were that close to the. Oh, TMA. yeah. Oh, but, yeah. That was just after, just after the checkpoint. Oh, so, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Culture is very powerful. Yeah. And I mean, look at history. Think about okay. how horrible things happen. Horrible things happen not just because bad people do bad things. Horrible things happen when good people don't do something. Yes. And I think to your point, to your question, right, the fundamental of if I were standing next to me in that airport in Reno, what would I have done? Well, you probably would have been so surprised. You might not have done anything. Um, and that's why it's so important to sort of actively talk about these instances happening in the real world in 2020 and in 2021. And yeah. well before that, and will happen well after. So we need to have this mindset to understand that if we really want to have solidarity for our own brothers and sisters, regardless of where they come from, their background, their life experience, you know, even frankly, whether they're quote unquote good or not good, they're still human. Right. Um, you know, we need to do everything we can to empower the people around us because what ends up happening in that situation is what's happened. You see in TV clubs over the last two years is of people, generally older Asian women, I'd say on video, getting beaten up by a stranger yeah. and people watching. And I refuse to believe that everybody there just doesn't care. That's not true. It's just, they don't know what to right. do. And so that's why it's so important, you know, when you're talking about organizations, when you're talking about, um, you know, your place of worship, when you're talking about um, your places where you gain strength from community, it's about being able to tell yourself, hey, these bad things happen. What would you do? And have you know the opportunity to have discussions and dialogue. And to your fundamental question, is it easier to advocate for yourself or others? It's way easier to advocate for others. Way, 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 way easier. Just like how it's way, way, way easier to have hard conversations with strangers. The hardest, totally true. Right. The hardest conversation you'll ever have is on something really difficult with someone you really care about. Yeah. where you know someone's going to get hurt. Yeah, you know you're so invested in what they think about you. Whereas with a stranger, probably I'm a whole lot less. Even if I get caught up in yeah. what you're going to think about me, I, it's not the same as somebody I love and, and care for of somebody else in my life. Of course. Um, yeah. So I, I'm interested in what you, what you would encourage a person like me to do to increase my, you know, maybe my other, because I'm not, not noticing because I, you know, consciously want to not notice, but it's just like, to me, when I, when we, when we talked and I heard the story and I thought about that and I'm like, gosh, that has, I haven't seen that, but boy, if I did, I would, you know, and when I heard myself say that, I felt like the person, the white person who's like, no, I'm not a racist. I have a black friend, you know, and I'm like, mm, bullshit, you know, like that's not what makes that so. Yes. And so I wonder what if you I mean, this is totally unscripted, but um, I wondered if you could give me like, what can I do to help build my awareness of that in a in a public, I can get it from an organizational place or like a group, like my kids and I have talked about it, you know, or, a, you know, whatever to talk about what would we do in this kind of situation or what kinds of things would we tolerate or not tolerate? 
Um, I think those are super important, but I could kind of wrap my head around that easier. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I, I tell folks um, to do, so I'd say there's three things, just as okay. everyday folks, right? Folks who want to be, you know, good citizens and better people, right? Um, the first is understanding that history matters and history is a living, breathing ecosystem we're a part of, right, in this society. Um, and I find um, such misconceptions of Asian Americans in general, you know, which I identify as a Vietnamese American, but so few folks know our history. And I encourage every single person to, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not too much of a commitment to go watch on PBS. There's a, there is a documentary on Asian Americans. And it's a history of Asian Americans from the 19th century to today. And it's so important to recognize that, you know, there were Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans here who have been here before the state of California was a state. Yeah. And even that there are Asian communities here that have been lived here longer than most European Americans. So yes. think that. But somehow we look at this group as like from somewhere else. Right. Yes. And that's so that so when you sort of see somebody, you have this automatic assumption, like, are they in the club or are they out of club? Yeah. And I think if you understand the history, the background, the context, then you're like, no, no, this person's totally part of the fabric of what makes America America. Right. Yes. That, that my parents can be, you know, the 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 embodiment of yes. the immigrant story and that I could be the carrier of an American dream. Like yes. that shouldn't be a surprise to people. But, right. Right. You know, that's one. Two, uh, you know, I would say this, like, it, I think activism and speaking up, just like how you talk about with people pleasing, yeah. fighting that is a muscle. Yes, it is. And so one very active way you can fight that is, uh, you know, go through, a, you know, a one hour bystander training, right? So it does teach you in that fight or flight moment, you will fight for your ally. Yes. Right? You know, you will fight for your teammate. You'll fight for your co-conspirator. Um, one group that does excellent trainings in the space, Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Um, you know, it's free. You can register. It's it's easy. Uh, I just think it gives one just such a baseline to fight that implicit bias or those sort of leanings that you have. Because, again, good people not doing something is sort of like trying to please the status quo, too. Right. Think of it like that. So there's two sort of those three, there's three things, right? There's the person that's having something happen to them. They need to make a decision. There's the people around it who then make need to make a decision. And then there's that person who's yeah. causing all of this that has already made the decision. Yeah. So there's a multiple touch points that really require deep, deep, deep inspection. And again, what are you using to flex that muscle? And like, like the gym or, you know, like talking to a coach or, you know, like going for a run, it is, it is a workout. It doesn't just happen overnight, but it's something you no. have to commit to and channel your energy. So that's two. The yeah. third thing, which I think is so important is what you and I are doing now, which is having the conversation with somebody that you care about, because yeah. I'm sure in your life, you have friends and loved ones maybe you've never had these types of conversations before. And I would say this, like to your point of sort of awareness, I've certainly seen friends and I've let it go. Friends, friends I love very much make comments and that I don't think are funny, but um, I giggle because that's what you do and the joke is yeah. made. Yeah. But actually deep down, you're kind of hurting. And then you have to make a choice. Like, do you say something? Because you need to educate your friend or right. do you not. And again, to the point that we talked about, if you want to fight this mindset of trying to please 
and trying to be grateful and to try to blend in and lose your individuality, then you let it go. But if you really care about your friend, if you really love your friend, if you really uh, value the friendship, the relationship and the meaning to that, you have to say something because if you really care about those types of friends and those folks in your life, you need to invest in them both in the good times and the not good times. That is a critical part. Yes. So that, so my um, mission that I state on my website and say, you know, I think frequently, but I'm sure many people have never heard me say it is to liberate people to their authentic power and self-expression, because that to me, that's, that's the end game. You know, if we can, because to me, authentic power, of course, is always for myself about myself and never a power over, you know, anybody else or any, any distortion of power, Mm -hmm. which we see all the time, all sorts of distortions of power. Um, And that we can't really have our authentic self-expression without that authentic power. Like those power and self-expression are hand in hand and interlinked or whatever metaphor you want to use, because like lifting that muscle or, um, lifting the weights to build the muscle in the gym, all of that is practiced. I have to practice what does a person do who's owning their power in any given situation, okay? And this and that, and from the mundane stuff that seemed, I used to dismiss because I thought, oh, it's so petty. I'm being petty. That was my big, I'm like, oh, I'm being petty, you know, um, or to the really big things. And if you don't do the little things, you often can't do the big thing, you know? So to your point, like with those people we're close to that we know, you know, or maybe not the same mindset or would say things that hurt us or whatever, to be able to stand in our power to me is about owning who I am. And so being able to say, no, you know what, maybe you didn't intend for that to be hurtful, like the way I can relate to this is things a man would say around me, you know, that just sort of puts a woman down, He, you know, doesn't mean to, he's probably not thinking, but it is, you know, and so to say like that bothers me and here's why, like here's how that diminishes me, you know, a little, a lot, whatever, um, whether they, and, and it's about doing it, whether the other person can really hear you or not. I think it's really important that we don't get hung up on whether or not that was successful because we got someone to see our point of view or to figure out what they did that hurt us. And now they're not going to do it again. Like we can't be in control of any of those outcomes. We have to say it because we need to say it to advocate for ourselves, you know, and then leave that, whatever the other person's response is up. up yeah, to- that's right. And I would say this too, the way I describe it is, you know, when you want to live a healthy life, um, you, I mean, you don't just do a crash diet, right? It's about right. Yeah. putting in, it's about putting in the little things, the yeah. doable things, the consistent things. Yes. So you can live a healthier, longer, more quality life, right? The, you know, the, the way of like, you know, losing the LBs, right? Is a consistent mixture of, you know, eating well uh, and knowing you're not going to be a pure saint or a pure sinner. Yeah. 
And at the same time, also investing in, you know, your health by, you know, having some sort of workout or regimen and probably, you know, a third element of, you know, mental wellness and, you know, connection, whether that's spiritual or to whatever higher power uh, investment in love and people around you. I mean, these factors you can do in your daily life. And when it comes to um, fighting against injustice, Mm -hmm. when it comes to fighting against um, seeing people being treated than less than. Mm-hmm. despite the fact that we should be equal in the eyes of whatever higher powers, right? Yeah. Um, so much of this is a daily decision. Yes. It doesn't have to be you quit your job and you, you know, you march for these rights and march across the country to raise money. That's not bad, but it's, it's the having the empathy to, you know, read a, an author, you know, who comes from a different heritage. It's to, um, you know, be able to invest time in a training in your workplace that's trying to be more inclusive. It's um, trying to lead a meeting and to actively call on somebody that you know has been a little neglected on the team, right? It's the little things that yes. I try to encourage my teams and the people in my life to sort of think about with empathy, right? To, yes. With empathy, compassion, and with you know, a sheer will to bring all of us together. Right. And, you know, in your, in your circumstances, right. You've been probably put down because of your, of your gender, right. Uh, Cause of your sex. And that uh, is tragic. At the same time, you also have whiteness, which gives yeah. you the power to champion and embolden. And that's what I think of definitely as an Asian American man. Um, you know, I, whenever I speak, you know, on radio or TV or, you know, on issues of hate in the Asian American, you know, perpetrated against the Asian American community or against other communities of color or against folks that are of, you know, a less, you know, a less uh, privileged, you know, background or experience. I always, I always, always, always talk about the disproportionate impact that women face. It's infinitely worse. You know, my peers who are Asian American Pacific Islander women, infinitely worse. And so that is something, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, You know, earlier this summer, I went for a walk. I was just coming out of a work meeting. Two guys come up to me and they go, hey, Buddha, can we rub your belly for good luck? And here's the thing, Brenda. You're kidding me. Of course not. And it's about two o'clock. You know, it's afternoon. But here's the thing. I've been asked. Here's the thing. I am so used to it. I've been asked this question before. <laughs> it's not actually that random. And I'm I don't, so ignorant right now. No, oh, I mean, no, I mean, Brenda, you're not. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but you're not Asian. <laughs> so I don't know to tell you. I just want to give you an example. And the yeah, fact yeah. that you don't know this be, is because an Asian American in your life or, you know, in adjacent lives haven't talked to you about it because you're told not to. You're told it's your fault. You're it's you're told that uh, it's not that big of a deal. Like you're just holding a grudge. Or it was a funny joke. And so here's my answer. Yeah. To these two guys who you know they they were funny. You know, I mean they're trying to be funny. And I said, hey guys, listen. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't know if it's a good idea because I'm not a genie. So there's no wishes at the end of this well, guys. <sighs> so and you know they laughed it off. Here was the thing: police officer right nearby. Right. So. You have people in authority figures and roles yeah. who also fall into this sure. quiet and sometimes deviant yes. complicity. There's yeah. a reason why last summer you saw a lot of really, really angry people yeah. trying to advocate for others who felt like they did not have a voice for historical yeah. reasons, for everyday yeah. reasons, all sorts, right? And there was this coalition of people of all backgrounds and stripes sort of coming together and saying, you know, 
this is not cool. And I have a responsibility as somebody with some sort of privilege in some way, in some place of means or a place of strength that I need to support these folks who have had um, less opportunities to please people, but who've actively been targeted. Right. So you have to think of it from that lens. And the reason why I tell this, I, I, I say this is because as a guy, I yeah. could make that joke. As a woman, I might be killed. So that is like just from a perspective is important to highlight, right? That I have privilege, even though I've had, I just gave you a couple of examples right. of how, you know, I got the short end of the stick. Right. Uh, but, but listen, I get to have, at least I get to, you know, fight another day. I mean, uh, you might recall uh, earlier this March that, you know, a number of Asian American, um, you know, or women of Asian descent that were murdered, um, you know, in March, uh, just trying to live their day-to-day life, right? Um, and for the reason of their background or their experience, uh, a life of probably significant hardship were targeted because they were vulnerable and because people saw them as weak. And yeah. so that's where like, you know, the privileges that you and I have in the ways we do have, we yeah. have to be thinking about others around us. Because again, if we're trying to break this mold of groupthink, Yes. of the stasis of everybody needs to be happy, but they're actually not, you need to say something. It's sort of like, you know, if you see something sketchy, uh, like on the plane, right? You the see something, yeah. say something, right? It's the right. same concept. It's just instead yeah. of being worried about some weird bag, it's about someone, you know, actively hurting someone or degrading their humanity. That is the ballgame. Yeah, it truly is. It truly is because... It would be hard for me to believe, at least anybody listening to this podcast (laughs) would consciously believe that we don't all have the birthright, right, for respect and dignity and all those things. So we're going to all say, oh, yes, I told, you know, doesn't matter. You can be gay, straight, pan, black, white, in between, orange, you know, I don't care, white even, you deserve you know, these basic rights as a human. And yet we can easily wind up getting into that group think that does not follow that and almost get like, it's, it's like getting pulled down a river or something and then going, well, wait, 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 what, what has just happened? Like I've gone farther than I meant to go, or I saw something and I didn't say something, or I, you know, looked away. So I didn't have to think about what maybe I should do or whatever. I think that group think is a really dangerous thing for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. And it's group think, and I should be very clear. It's group think in a world where, um, you're stripped of what makes you unique. Yeah. Right. It, it also strips you from uh, feeling like you cannot express yourself in your most authentic way. Yes. Either if you have an idea that's on your mind or a proposal with people you work with, or frankly, just wanting to say something from the heart to somebody, you know, important in your life, but for whatever reason, you're held back by something. And I think so much of that is conditioned And so much of that is a very active role that, again, the people around you might be perpetuating and you have to face this sort of constant tension of walking on eggshells, Mm -hmm. uh, feeling like you can't say what you need to say or want to say, 
um, this level of like low grade to medium grade to high grade stress that you feel, um, that tension in yourself that you just cannot find a way to reduce that throbbing. And I think so much of that is, uh, you know, the system is uh, actively trying to sort of keep you into a place where you don't rock the boat. And yes. yeah. And here's, yeah, and here's the thing, if you do rock the boat, people might try to knock you down or in some yeah. situations, try to kill you. <laughs> so you have to be really, you know, hyper aware of that. Yeah, because I think, I mean, part of all of it, whether it's the people pleasing or the various reasons people kind of learn to assimilate and be, you know, not be their authentic selves is out of safety. If there's a self-preservation that motivated it to begin with. And then we get to this point where we realize as adults that there's also a price to pay for that self-preservation and, you know, being my authentic self is worth the risk. But one of the things I is this is really important for me to say here because one of the reasons Jeff I wanted to have you oh there's many but one of them is about seven months ago in my own journey through all of it and because of all the things that happened last year in our country and um, the so much more awareness uh, with Black Lives Matter and all the things that I really wanted to, I, I'm so not a politically engaged really other than I vote and stuff, but I'm not a, an activist. There we go. That's the word I want. That's just not my MO. It's not, you know, really what I do, but, and so we don't talk politics and current events much, if anything at all, except for today here on liberate your people pleaser. But here's what was really important to me. It is really important to me in my personal life and in my, you know, public life and my business to be in solidarity with all people and all people's right to have that authentic self-expression and own their authentic power. And so for everybody who might be listening to this podcast, who might think if, if they could see the visual, because most people are only listening to the audio, so maybe they can't appreciate that you are a very Asian looking man, despite the fact that you seem to have, you know, you have your Southern California accent or maybe. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because you've been on TV and stuff so much. But anyway, so listening to you, right, I could picture you any way my own mind wants to picture you. Um, but so maybe you think you can't relate to, you know, what an Asian American, an Asian Asian, anybody, you know, maybe you think you can't relate to what a transgender person is going through. Maybe you think you can't relate to all these things, but the truth is we can because we've all been in that spot where we've been silenced. We've all been in that spot where we kept our mouth shut and let somebody believe we thought what they said was funny because we're too afraid to be our authentic self. It feels too risky to be our authentic self. And that's what brings us together, even though we might look at it like from an issue or a heritage or racial perspective and go like, no, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get where they're coming from. I don't get why that's so hard or what, whatever. The truth is this is where the playing field gets leveled because we all have, so we can meet each other in a place, not just of empathy, but the, the power that empathy has when I have also felt the same, not just that 
I can take your perspective, but I've had it. I've felt it. I've been in those shoes just maybe for an entirely different reason. Sure. And I would just say too, I think, I think to your point that, um, you know, we have more in common than we, than we don't. Right. I mean, I don't know about you, but as an American, um, you know, I want what's best for my family and friends and loved ones. And, you know, we, we want to put our kids in a, you know, in a world that is better than the one we have today. And we want the best for, you know, the people that matter to us. And, you know, we have a strong sense in my mind. I do think we have a strong sense of right and wrong. It's just that, society and other things get in the way. So I think, you know, in the world we live in, there's so much emphasis on what team are you on and like, what corner are you in? And, you know, where's your purity test here? And the reality is everything's sort of in the middle, but fundamentally, um, you know, the belief that uh, you want to make the world a better place for the people around you and that, you know, you have the opportunity to, you know, conduct yourself in a way that instills values to, you know, your kids and others. I think that's pretty universal. So I, I think, you know, there is that that strong sense of just reminding each other that, you know, we have um, a connection to each other uh, on planet yes. Earth that's pretty unique and special. And there are these other constructs that, frankly, are designed to divide us. Um, yeah. And there are people out there that these are the people that take advantage of the people pleasers, right? Right. Uh, that benefit from that, that yes. the division is uh, used to then distract each other from what actually matters, right? Which is yeah. your organization isn't thriving the way it should, or your yeah. community isn't uh, you know, finding common solutions or, you know, having commonality on things that they should, or yeah. that, you know, people are distracted from, you know, other, um, you know, issues that really deserve more attention. So, you know, yeah. the divide and conquer thing in history yeah, is a pretty well used, but sadly also very effective strategy. And that's why all of us have to be vigilant in our daily life. And you have to actively make a decision to do that. Yes. Yes, that, the unity, it is that it, there's so much more that unites us than in truth divides us, except for what we've been told, you know, the di- division has been such a popular tool that we can have a mindset of that, that there's way more about you and me. I mean, look at us on the surface there. What could we possibly have in common? So there's this division and that division is so false and, because there's always something we can connect with it because we're all having a human experience. So there really is so much more that love of family, love, you know, all kinds of whatever kind of family you want to call, you know, have and the, how we want to pass on something better than what we've had. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't feel that way. And so it's really allowing ourselves to question those mindsets that we've had for so long that we wouldn't necessarily even question them. They just feel like truth with a capital T and they're not. Absolutely. And I will just say as a sort of, you know, as we sort of wind down here, you know, um, you know, you made a point about, you know, how I speak and yeah, I, I, I'm very Southern Californian uh, when I talk and I will occasionally get messages from people saying, wow, your English is so good. Or people on the street will be so impressed by my addiction. And my answer is like, wow, your English is so good. Right. <laughs> and so, you, you know, again, there, rather than focusing on, you know, there's some folks that would rather focus less on the content rather than, you know, try to sort of 
make a chummy thing about, you know, some sort of cultural connection they may yes. or may not have with you. Right. And it's, it's, it's just such a fascinating uh, endeavor that I see almost daily, but yeah. to your point though, I think again, who doesn't love a good meal with friends and people yeah. you care about who doesn't mind a little bevy on a Friday, yeah. right. To celebrate <laughs> the good and the not good. Uh, you know, who, who, who doesn't want to, you know, complain a little about, you know, things not being chummy and certain things in your yeah. life. Like it's human. And that's what I mean is you can still be a good human and still be imperfect trying to work that's on being a better person. Yes. The same way we'll circle back as we wrap up here, we will circle back to one of the very first things you said that struck me uh, when you were describing your parents in the same way. We can have gratitude and want more. We can have gratitude and want it to be different. You know, and a lot of times those that does get caught up. Gratitude gets caught up in this idea that that means, you know, we're not wanting any change or everything's just the way it is, is perfect and all that. And the, the, those are not in conflict. Gratitude and this is not okay, are not in conflict with each other. And I would say too, that um, if you really wanna be grateful, uh, you know, use the powers that you have, the privileges yes. that you've been born with or have garnered um, yes. and make that active decision to yes. make the, the situations, the, your daily life, uh, your workplace, your places of worship, uh, you know, relationships that matter to you, and invest in it. It's a daily decision to do that. And it is so powerful, not just to speak up, but I would say as important, if not more, take the time to listen. You might yes. learn something. Yes. Yes. Oh, no better, no better point to end on than that. Well, Jeff, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your generosity of uh, sharing your authentic you know, self with us, your experiences, and for the work that you're doing, you know, all in this present moment um, in the world and with the unrest that's happening in Afghanistan. And I know that that's very close to you. So um, thank you for being here today. And I'll say um, to the folks, so when you were giving us your three things that we can do, and you mentioned those couple resources, you can send those to me and I'll include them in the show notes for people. Cause I know people are like, wait, I didn't get to write that down. You know, <laughs> so we'll put those in the show notes too. Yes, do not worry. You will get your resources. No, no do not worry. And driving or whatever you're doing when you listen to this podcast, um, we'll stick those resources in there because it is such an important part of the whole of healing. It really, it really is. So thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got a couple of great things in the show notes for you. So one, if you've heard me talk about a process I use with clients called the Solvent Method, I have put together a special bundle of podcasts that you can access through the show notes. You'll get the whole bundle in one email, and that way you can listen to the episodes that I recorded that explain this really simple process that you can use to self-coach, and then it will also give you sort of a window into what it's like to work with me. And on top of that, 
I'm going to put a link in the show notes for you to schedule a connection call because I hear from so many people in the podcast that they really connect with what I'm teaching and with what I'm coaching about and it motivates them to want to work with me. I would say probably three-fourths of my clients over the last six months or so have come to me through this podcast. So if you're thinking about working with me, click on that connection call link and book your 15 minute call. Of course, there's no obligation. We'll talk about whatever your goals are with coaching, what you're thinking about, and make sure that I'm the coach for you. And if this is the right time for you. And then I also in the show notes have the link to my private Facebook group. So you can come join me over there. So thanks for joining me for this episode.